0: If you have your Bibles, I want you to go ahead and open them up to the book of Acts chapter 2. And last week, we, we, we started this sermon. and It's like, a I think, a four-part sermon uh, a, a series if I get past it. We'll, we'll see how long it goes. Acts chapter 2, there in verse 1. If you have it, say, I got it. Right. If you don't, say, Wait. Acts 2 verse 1 reads like this. On the day of Pentecost, seven weeks after Jesus' resurrection, the believers were meeting together in one place. Father, we thank you. We love you and we're careful to give you all the honor, all the glory, all the praise. Lord, I ask that you would take this time to to guide us and to lead us into all truth. Father, I ask for your that you would just touch your people. Holy Spirit, I address you. For you are you are the agent in operation on earth, while Jesus forever intercedes for us at the right hand of the Father. And God, you're in glory on the throne. It is you, Holy Spirit, who are here, here with us, that we can sense, feel, and touch. I ask that you would touch each mind, each heart, that you would draw us together and to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Last week we talked about the power that most Christians fail to possess. They come to church, and invariably they, they claim to love the Lord, which no one can, should doubt that, but they don't have the, the, that anointing the power, Something some different. And, and we use the, the, the story of Apollos at Corinth. Apollos was a, a man of God. He was a, uh, history says he was a great orator of the word. Very intelligent. And in Acts chapter 19, verse 1, it reads like this. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no. We, not, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So here is God's moving. Paul is, is, is planning churches, and this is many years now have gone since the Lord went on, ascended to heaven. And there were a group of disciples who had never heard of the Holy Ghost. Never heard that there was this, there's this power available. Twelve disciples who do not know, nor do they understand the Holy Spirit. Well, what I have found today, many recognize and, and, and they understand the term Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, uh, but they don't truly understand who He is. Uh, they, they, in fact, in this day and age, they, 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 they mark Him as some kind of force, like, like if they're in Star Wars, that may the force be with you. And he's not that. The Holy Spirit is God. He's one hundred percent God. He's our God. The only way for you to open, to be open to the touch of the Holy Spirit, is you have to have understanding. You have to gain some knowledge, and that is what's happening on this road to Ephesus when Paul meets the disciple. He begins to educate them. So we talked about uh, last week Luke, the physician, who wrote. Who writes a book for a man by the name of Theophilus, which means lover of God, and he wrote the book of Luke. And his whole his whole goal of that that book was to give Theophilus some understanding because he began to hear what is this movement that's happening, and and I hear about these things happening in the Holy Ghost, and what is all this stuff going on? So he was very curious. He didn't know anything about the Holy Ghost, but he was s- sincere in his curiosity. Sincere enough, where he paid Luke, he actually paid Luke for his time to research who Jesus was and who this power was. In Acts, the second book of Luke, he focuses on the power that Jesus gave us. The first book of Luke, he talks more about who Jesus was and what he did on this world, how he was born and he researched it like any medical doctor would. But in the second book, he, he, he left Jesus aside and began to focus on what was taking place through the people who had received this new power. That's why he called it the book of Acts, what they were doing, the actions. In Acts chapter 1, verse 1 and 3, let's read that so we can get an understanding of whom. Last week, dear Theophilus, in my first book, I told you about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he ascended to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions from the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after his crucifixion, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. On these occasions, he talked to them about the kingdom of God. So Luke has recounted to Theophilus the power of the Holy Spirit. And despite all of our distractions, God wants us to be more aware of the Holy Spirit. In this day and age when there's so much activity going on, so many things convoluting what we're looking at, what we're paying attention to, we need to focus on the power of the Holy Ghost. The power, let me say it again, for those of you who are still sleeping, we need to focus on the power of the Holy Ghost. Huh? Last week we we rediscovered the power of the Holy Ghost and we talked about laying on of the hands speaking in tongues, power to heal the sick, and many come to church neglecting this baptism of the Holy Spirit. I attend Liberty University, and they are a Baptist university. I love my Baptist friends. All my my, um, professors are Baptists, but they do not, they have a hard time dealing with the Holy Spirit because they got so intellectual, so academically bound that they have no room for something that is unknown to them. And you can't never even imagine trying to put God into a box. Let me tell you something. If you try to figure God out, you better have a good medical uh, plan. Amen? Because you'll need some mental awareness, uh, awakening, because you cannot figure God out. He doesn't operate in our realm in Acts 19.3, Paul asked these guys, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. John. And John's baptism, although it was a good baptism, but it was only a baptism of repentance. And most people come to church, they understand that very clearly. When they come to church, they should repent. In other words, they should, if they're, they're stealers, they should steal no more. Right? If they're liars, they should lie no more. You're repenting. And that's a very clear and understandable thing. And that's what John preached. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. So what what that repentance does, it doesn't end the journey. It begins the journey. Repentance opens you up to a reception of the Holy Spirit. Without repentance, it doesn't even begin. And Luke reminds us of the instructions given of the promise. And even he says, John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will receive power. When the, let me say it again. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power. And you will tell people about Jesus everywhere. Ah, so the evidence that you're, you have power is, is you can't keep quiet. You start talking about the Lord. There's no such thing as a secret squirrel or a secret agent Christian. You're not James Bond. Amen? You're none of that. See, if you are not sharing the gospel, your faith, who you are, then maybe you just received the baptism of repentance. and You have not received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Because if the Holy Ghost is in you, how can you contain that? It's impossible. Matthew 3.11 Reach like this, but after me will come one who is more powerful than I. This is John the Baptist speaking. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Huh? So we ended last week with this altar call. This was the altar call we ended last week. Have you received the Holy Spirit? Huh? And many came forward. Some may have received it. Others may still be waiting for it. Right? I remember the first time a preacher said it to me, because I was kind of, you know, uh, leery, very analytical. Right? And I'm looking at this guy. He's up, to, he's up to something, right? And so he prayed for the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and I didn't get it. I, I, get, I went home. I said, like, man, nothing happened. Wow, that's a bummer. Everybody else was jumping around like having a good time. And I, was, I, I felt like I left, missed the party. So I go home. Went home to rain Tree Court, I'll never forget. I went home and I was in my habit at that time. I was praying. My wife was in the kitchen cooking, doing something. And I was in my room praying. And I'm praying, and then all of a sudden I heard myself. And I I was speaking in tongues. I run out, hey Deborah. I was I was talking some crazy language, man. And I was tripping. Because it didn't happen when I expected it. But because I wanted it, it happened. It happened. Now, if you doubt it, can't help you. Doubt. Doubt will hinder, will hinder the, the, that move of God in your life. Those that come to God must believe that He is. It doesn't say those that come to God, they'll come because God will convince you. He doesn't have to convince you. My look around you. Right? Look, look, at, look at everything around you, the, your, your body, everything. He, does God have to convince you that he exists? Or you, do you have so much faith that you believe you came from a monkey? Because it actually takes more faith to believe that you came from a monkey than for you to believe that God created you. Now, the way some people act, they may have. I don't know. It might have slipped in there somehow. I don't know. Hello. That word Pentecost. Acts two one on the day of Pentecost, seven weeks after Jesus' resurrection, the believers were meeting together in one place. They call it Pentecost. The word Pentecost is the second of the greatest Jewish national holidays. This Pentecost right now, when they every year they celebrate this huge, huge celebration. Well, we should celebrate. We don't even talk about it. But the Jewish in the Old Testament they call it the Feast of Weeks. And they would celebrate for, for weeks because of Pentecost. And the Old Testament mentioned in Second Chronicles chapter eight, but we won't go there for the sake of time. But something so monumental, we rarely talk about it. In fact, there are probably some here who had never heard of that. But it was Pentecost that made us. It was Pentecost that created the church, and we don't talk about it. That's like never celebrating your birthday. Huh? So to fully understand why they all waited up in the upper room, we need to remember when John, in the book of John, chapter 16, Jesus was talking to his disciples, and he goes, I'm going to tell you the truth. I have to go away. In fact, it's good for me to go away, because unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, if I go, I'll send him to you. So Jesus was preparing the disciples that something else is going to happen. This is just the beginning. And in verse 13, he continues his conversation with them. He goes, and when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. (coughs) Whether he will not speak of his own, he will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Jesus described in in Acts 2.1, the day of Pentecost, this whole chapter. The Holy Spirit comes this day, and he comes to all who would receive him. And that's the catch. Either you receive him or you don't. He is a gentleman. He will not force himself on you. I was working with this one girl. She was like a trip years ago when I first got saved. And she said, "If God is real, why don't you have him lift me up to the sky?" I looked at her, I go, "Man, you want to get high, yeah? Go ahead and smoke another joint, But God ain't going to do that." God does not have to prove to you. So that's the the, the aspect of faith. Either you're going to open your heart to it or you're not. Period. Believe me, there's 7 billion people on this planet. He doesn't need you. You need him. And we have to understand that. It's a privilege to walk into the presence of God. It's an honor for God to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. It is not something that we have coming. No, we have to open ourselves to him. Right? So the Holy Spirit will guide you. Say, so the Holy Spirit's going to guide me. And, and this is very important. God is the same yesterday, right? Today and Forever. And that is that is like my, my premise of all my, my understanding of Scripture. Because some people, what they do to confuse you, convolute your Scripture understanding, they break the Bible into five dispensations. I don't want to get too deep. But they say something this stupid, that God acted a certain way during this period, and then during this period, he acted another way, and during this period, he acted another way, and during this period, he acted another way, and now we're in the period of grace. This is for, for the sake of time. Five different periods of dispensation, so they eliminate everything God did, because he don't do that no more, because we're a new dispensation. Doesn't that sound nice? But where in the heck did they find that in Scripture? Nowhere. The Bible says God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Period. So you have to understand, that's very important to your walk with the Lord. Here at Pentecost is where most Christians, doctrines say, we first receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, theologians, people who are smarter than us, but sometimes are very stupid, say this. But this, this is when the Holy Spirit came to earth. That is not true. Uh-uh. Here's where the first people completely submitted to the leading of the Holy Spirit, where, let me say it like this, the opportunity for all to submit to the leading... But the Holy Spirit has always been here. It's not a new thing. In John 20, this is before Pentecost. Jesus said in John 20, verse 21, Peace be with you. He's talking to his disciples. And he's getting ready to go send them out into the countryside. And they're all tripping, worrying like, Wow, we're going to go out there? You ain't come with us, Jesus? No, you're going to be cool. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, as God has sent me, This is how Jesus operates with us. I'm going to send you. Right? Then verse 22, he says this. And with that, he breathed on them and said, (sighs) receive the Holy Spirit. This is years before Pentecost. So when they were charged to go out and preach the Gospels, and we finally later come back, Jesus, the demon, submitted to us. Man, we were out there. We were preaching. We were laying hands on the sick. They were getting healed. Remember, they were all excited. And Jesus said, calm down, fellows. Don't get all excited about that. You need to be excited that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life because I've seen Satan fall from heaven. So don't get all proud about that. Today so they had just experienced the power of the Holy Spirit, and that was because Jesus went, See, but Jesus is no longer here. He do not go no more. What he does, he, he sent the Holy Spirit here, and there, instead of being breathed upon, the willing participant must open himself to it. There's, but he, he operates the same way. Huh? See, the, all, the Holy Spirit has always been on earth. When he fell upon David and he slew the lion and he slew the bear and he, and he chopped off Goliath's head, you think he'd done that on his own? He was but a boy. But here's a boy taking on a 9-foot, 10-foot giant, cut off his head. He was under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And when Samson uh, fought off the Philistines and would defeat him in battle, hundreds of hundreds with one, one skull, he would take them all out. You think that was just a mere man? The anointing fell upon him. So on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit decided it is now time to be available to whoever would submit to it. Oh, no. Now, that's a harder thing. Because most of us, society has trained us to submit to nothing. You don't tell me what to do. You ain't the boss of me. So And you're, ra- you're raised like that. You, and you come up, and all of a sudden you got to get a job. And some people, your first job, most people get, get fired from their first job because they don't know when to shut up. So they get fired, and they learn their lesson. They go, I can't talk back no more because I want to get a job. Then so they learn as they get older to be cool. And then they learn to serve somebody in this life. You're going to have to serve somebody, right? You learn that. But most people bump their head a few times. Right? And why? Because society trains you that way. Why is society training that way? Because he does not want you to submit to the leading of the Holy Spirit. You're trained not to submit. You're trained to do your thing. This is is my opinion. Well, you can have your opinion, but God has his. And oftentimes, your opinion ain't that good. Amen? Why? Acts 2 describes how the apostles made themselves available to the power. Let's look at verse 2 and 4 of Acts 2. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm in the skies above them. And it filled the house where they were meeting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them Ability. Now I don't know if I'm getting ahead of myself, but understand this. When Jesus said, okay, you guys, you 120, you go to this room. Imagine it had to be about this size. Because there was 120 of them. Right? Maybe a little, maybe a little smaller. Who knows? But why did he send them up there just like to have tea and crumpets? No. Because those people are, are just like us. Everybody had their opinion. What Jesus was doing. Everybody knew, was complaining. There was even one, remember Thomas, doubting Thomas? I won't believe unless I get my finger and stick it in them, right? And they're all, and he says, You need to get up there. Why? Because he had to get them out of themselves. If you're so full of yourself, you have no room for the Holy Ghost. So he had to get them up there. And after, you know, a few days, you can argue. The first day when you argue, you're like, Yeah, you're arguing. But, you know, if you've been married more than two hours, after a while you get tired of arguing. (sighs) I'm tired of arguing. Okay. You know, you you get tired, right? Imagine them being there for that long in one room. See, God had to bring them together in what? In one accord, it says. Had to bring them together in unity. He had to let them hatch themselves out. And once they were in unity, he came See, that's how the anointing operates. Any great work in history, if you look at any move of God, there were a group of people that agreed upon everything. They were were united on one purpose. And they did things. The anointing came. When the anointing comes, why? It'd be like this. I says right here, we're, we're starting a ministry, us five. Well, I, I want to do this. And Jose said, well, I don't agree with you. I want to do this way. And Larry said, no, well, that's not my conviction. I want to do this. And then he says, well, I don't want to do that. And how, how much, what do you think will get done? Nothing, man. So we have to come together in one accord, not two accord, not three accords. One accord. Why do you think I, I submit all my aspirations? I have a lot of dreams. I have a lot of aspirations. But I submit them all him. Why? Because I understand when we're in agreement, anointing comes. Agreement. And I understand when I'm Victor Outreach and I'm in agreement, his anointing is my anointing. That's how God works in this era of grace. The anointing of God, baptism of fire, what this can be most identified with is when God was with Moses. I remember it says, the Holy Spirit came like a baptism of fire. It's hard to imagine that. I wish he could come now. Like this fire. Then we'd all be like, ah, maybe believe, right? But in Moses' time, this is what he did. He said, okay, Moses, you get the people. At night, I'm going to be a pillar of fire. Remember that? And it was so, aw- they were so, like, awestruck, they were terrified. And they said, okay, Moses, we don't want to talk to that fire or that cloud because, man, that's spooky. You talk to him, Moses, and whatever he tells you, we'll do. That was, that was the outcome because they've seen the p- pillar of fire. And that's how God is, like a pillar of fire. He says he came down, they came down like a pillar of fire. So when that fire decided to move, what would the people do? Move with them. Right? Then each settle in camp. Then the fire would lift up and move. So the example is this. The Holy Spirit is your guide. So people do not like following the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit doesn't just tell you move, do your thing. No, you wait for the Holy Spirit to move you. But us, we don't let no one tell us anything. We decide when we want to move. We decide what we want to do, right? So we're not used to being led like that. But that is the only way the Holy Spirit can lead you. Uh, I, was, I was doing some stuff when I first started doing Asia. Let me tell you. And this is how Pastor Sonny t- got my attention. Because I wasn't communicating to him enough. Right? And then he says, he didn't say directly to me, but it, you know, it gets to you. you, you know, and it says, oh, he's doing his own thing. I go, whoa. I go, those words like really shocked me. Like, oh, That's heavy. And when I, when I began to evaluate that, I said, wait a minute, that's nobody's fault but mine. I gotta correct it. And immediately I made phone calls. I made I flew to California. I, I did things to correct it. You know, I, I, and said, so, you know, I'm i I just want to make sure you, you understand what I'm doing. And it's my fault. Why? Because I know I have to stay in one accord to maintain my anointing. So I, I went out of my way to make sure, no, 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 no. That was my fault because anointing only happens when people are united. That's why do you think we tell the home, stop complaining, and bickering? Because when you bring division, you remove the anointing from the home. So we, my job is to make sure any, any complainers, get them out of there because they're going to affect the anointing that changes other people's lives. You want lives to change? you got to get rid of those people that are complaining and bickering because it is the anointing that breaks the yoke of Bondage. And the only thing that maintains anointing is unity. Unity. Now, you don't have to agree on the, the color of car. That's different. We're not talking about that. We're talking about ministry, purpose, and a move of God. Are you with me? It's getting real quiet. You look at me here. You look at me with your eye like this. Uh-huh. See, in Numbers chapter 9, let's all read this. Let's all turn there. We're going to read this just for... for um, for knowledge's sake, because I need I'm you to understand that every single one of you get baptized with fire. I don't want you to be baptized with lemon juice. Y'all sour put well, I was baptized with lemon juice. No, I want you to be baptized with fire, anointing, the Holy Ghost. Amen. Okay, Numbers 9.15. Y'all have it? If the tabernacle was set up, and on that day the cloud covered it. Then from evening until morning the cloud over the tabernacle appeared to be a pillar of fire. This was a regular pattern. At night, the cloud changed to the appearance of a fire. When the cloud lifted from over the sacred tent, the people of Israel followed it. And wherever the cloud settled, the people of Israel camped. In this way they traveled. Here's the key. At the Lord's command and stop. Verse 19, he talks about, it, it says the same thing. As the Lord commanded. Verse 20, it says, then at the Lord's command. Verse 21, sometimes the cloud stayed only overnight and moved on the next morning. But day or night when the cloud lifted, the people broke camp and followed. Whether the cloud stayed above the tabernacle for two days, a month, or a year, the people of Israel stayed in camp and did not move on. But as soon as it lifted and they broke camp and moved on, so they camped and traveled at the Lord's command. And they did whatever the Lord told them through Moses. See, that's how Christianity should be. But let's face it. In the United States, in church, we're a group of individuals. Individuals. We all have our individual thing going on. Individuals, individuals, individuals. And I can't change nobody's mind. I can only educate you and tell you until we get united on purpose. Now, we have individual lives, yes, but your individual life should be off a sprocket of God's purpose. Like that hub in the middle. With all these spokes coming out, your individual life should be your individual life. But if it's not touched and attached to the, to the axle, you can't get the wheel turning. And see, that's the, the difficulty, the challenge in churches nowadays. Everybody wants to love the Lord and know the Lord and, and, and talk about the Lord, but they don't want to be tied in unity to a command. So then everybody's got their own ideal thing, their own conviction, their own theology, their own this, their own that. And with that, if that happens, there's no more anointing. We become a Lions Club, a Kiwanis, a social club with no purpose, no anointing. I don't know about you, but I'd rather have two or three brothers united with me under anointing than two or three hundred people wanting to do their own thing. because your own thing you can't do nothing. Just a group of people. Here we see the Holy Spirit represented by fire. He leads us. And if we inspect these verses close, we find that the job of the fire is the same job the Holy Spirit has today. The fire dwelt with his people, led them and guided them. Now, one thing about fire. Whatever fire touches, you ever touch a fire? Whatever fire touches, gets burned. Huh? It gets on and see that's not a bad thing because fire is, is, is a purifying agent. You know, now we have different chemicals, but when you if you want to purify something, if you want to make a sword, a samurai sword with the sharper sword, you gotta heat that with fire. And the more fire, the sharper it gets. The stronger it gets. You wanna get stronger? You need fire. Like I like a, like 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 past, Pastor Um Masterson, he wouldn't say fire. he said, fire. We've got to get touched by the fire." He was from Indiana, Southern Indiana, he had one southern draw, you know? We want to get touched by the fire. Amen? Uh, these people only move when the cloud or fire moved. See when you have been baptized in the manner that the apostles were, you will respond much in the same way that the Israelites did. They will only move at the leading of their orders and the fire of the Holy Ghost. That's what these people leave, left. They had a man of God who was under orders and they had a call at a move. That's why we always talk about in Victoria. We don't talk about church. We're a movement of God. See Moses, that wasn't a church. That was God's moving. He moved on a people that were perverted were lost, were, were, were wretched people, people were not a people, they were the most disgusting people on the earth, they were slaves for 400 years, and God chose them slaves, slaves to themselves, slaves to perversion, slaves, I mean, it was so bad that they, in the book of Leviticus and Deuteronomy, God had to tell them twice. Don't sleep with animals. Don't sleep with your children. Don't sleep with your, your, your neighbors. I mean, they had to put that in the Bible. What is that? That's the kind of people God chose to clean up. Now we're coming to this day and age where the churches and everybody's all, ooh, we're church people, we're clean. Ooh, poochie. You know, it all stuck up. Now understand that the church began with the most rotten people on the planet. That's, that's who the church began with. It didn't begin with scholars. It began with the worst of the worst, but it was the Holy Spirit, the move of God on people that changed a nation. See, and that's what's happening in Victor Outreach. Why do you think we go after people who are not a people? Why do you think we're going after people where, where others were rejected and looked down upon, right? Can anybody relate to that? I can why? Because that's God's MO, and that's the kind of anointing we need. When we're dealing with people like us, you need anointing. You need strong anointing. Why? Because some of us are crazy. Amen? Now, you notice I said, me, us. So you guys, you got a nice. But me, where I came, we needed, I need heavy anointing to break the yokes of bondage. To break off perversion, to break off violence, to break off death, to break off murder, to break off lying, to break off cheating—you name it. You need heavy-duty anointing. We're not going to change this city and these people if we're not under an anointing and unity. If we're we're all complaining and bickering and sniveling and crying, you know you can't even change your underwear. We need anointing. We need anointing to change people. That's why we can't have that kind of disagreement, disunity. Because we need unity. Unity is number one. Why? Because with that comes the anointing of God. Anointing of God. Uh-huh. See, the gift of speaking in tongues was given at that time. And some people get all caught up in that. Don't get all caught up. Some people speak in tongues, some people have a trouble with that. But you should speak in tongues. So these tongues, here what happened, it wasn't just the tongues, of like a heavy language. It was so new, and God was blowing people's minds. You got to understand the purpose of God. It was the gift of uh, 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 the, the day of Pentecost, right, for the church. But it was a very holy day for the Jews. I talked about earlier, this was their holiday, the biggest holiday for the Jewish people. So as a result, all the tribes from all over the world would come to Jerusalem Remember, God was getting ready to start a church. That's a heavy move of God. So God's getting ready to start a church, and he gets them all in one place. Now, you imagine thousands and thousands and thousands of people from all over the known world are there. And God says, now I got them all. So he's God. He can do anything. He baptized them with fire, and it says that all the 120 began to speak in other languages. That would be like the Holy Ghost coming right now. Boom, and then Martin starts speaking French. Part of you, Francais, right? <laughs> and he began to speak in French. And then my wife's speaking in Polish. And, and you're speaking in Czechoslovakian. And you're doing Russian. And we got enough Mexicans, so we don't need that. And then, you know, we, and, and everybody started speaking in different languages that they didn't know. And they're speaking and the people, some of the people are listening like, like if I don't understand French, I don't know what he's talking about language. I don't know. it sounds like gibberish to me. So they said, oh, these guys, they're drunk. Look at him. He's talking. He didn't understand what they were saying, but they were speaking in different languages. 120 different languages at one time. Because the power of God came down. Why? Did he do that? Because he wanted to teach them a language class. This is like the first step of Evelyn Rose. What's that? Evelyn Rose language thing? No. He did it because he was starting a church and he had opportunity to share the gospel with the whole world through 120 people. So he gave him languages. Bam. So that's what the Holy Spirit can do if he wants to. Huh? Oh, we're at an event oh, where we're, we? I don't know. Where were we at, heavy. So we're at the retreat and we had a guy in our home. He was from um, Iran. Uh, Ra, what's the name? What? Yeah, Faraz. Remember? He was there. Now dig this, dig this. He tells me the story how he escaped Iran in a truck, went through Afghanistan, right, running run from the Taliban. It's the heavy stuff. They made it all the way over here. Okay, fine. So we went to an event and somebody was speaking in, in tongues. And they were just talking in tongues. Well, you know, and i just I thought they're talking in tongues. And this guy was tripping out. And he goes, hey, and I go, What's wrong? I go, this guy's talking to me. I go, what do you mean he's talking to me? He's saying in Farsi, and he began to tell me what he was saying in tongues to him. And he, he, I go, wait a minute, don't mess with me. No, in Farsi, he's saying this, and he began to tell me what he said to him in another language. And I looked at Farsi, I go, that's heavy stuff, right? That's book of Acts stuff. That's book of Acts, right? So why? Because depending upon the purpose is how God wants to move. It's not contingent on a theology. It's not contingent on a denomination. It's contingent on does whatever he decides to do propagate his kingdom. So John says, repent for the kingdom of God is his hand, but don't hang on this. Somebody's going to come is going to be greater than this, who I can't even, I'm not worthy of him. He's going to baptize you with fire and the Holy Spirit. See, my understanding of God is this. Don't try to understand them. <laughs> Amen? Because when God wants to move, he's going to move. And, you can do, and let him move. Because if you get so caught up in, well, as well, I studied the scripture, and it says this, you know. Uh, well, you, you could take it that way. I understand that, Pastor. But I take it this way. And you get caught up on the wrong things. And what you do, you limit God's ability to move in your life. Because the number one most important thing for all of us to remember... It's one thing. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Jesus said that. You can bring fat of lamb. You can bring tithes and offerings. You can bring all that stuff. But if you're not obedient, that means nothing. It doesn't mean anything. Now, we'll take it and we'll pay the bills with it, but you're not getting anything for it. Because obedience is better than all of that. Obedience. Why? Because obedience leads to, it's just a natural progression. Obedience, when we're all obedient, right, it leads to what? Unity. When we're all united, it leads to what? Anointing. It's a very easy progression if we're willing and we're open to it. And it only is going to rest on people who want to receive it. Right? There's people here that are taking it in. There's other people saying, wait a minute. I don't quite like that. I don't agree with it. You have your own theology. I'm just telling you what. I've been doing this for 33 years, having backslid once, and I'm still following the same man. And it's worked. I'm telling you what's worked. Hmm? You, can, you, can, you can do it your way. I don't know, man. I don't know your way. I know my way. And I know my way works. That's why I trusted. See, God was moving in a manner that was new to man. Those that feared God were amazed. Yet, as always the case, during this type of move of God, people will doubt, others will complain, and some will even quit in the move of God. So Peter preaches to a crowd, I'm I'm going to close with this. And he says this in Acts 2.4. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd. Listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. Some of you are saying these people are drunk. It isn't true. It's much too early for that. People don't get drunk by nine in the morning. No, what you see this morning was predicted centuries ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God said, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. And your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit upon all my servants, men and women alike. And they will prophesy. That's very important. Verse 18. He said, I will pour out my spirit on Who? All my servants, men and women alike. See, and there's, there's the big chasm. Because many people come to church, but not everybody is a servant. So, so you can come to church, and it's okay. It is. Really, it is okay. And you can walk in under the, under the baptism of repentance. And you'll be a good person. You probably make it to heaven, right? Because you repented. You're doing the right thing. You walk in. Praise the Lord. We're happy. But the spirit of God won't pour on everybody. Only his servants once you cross that little trek, and that's a tough one, right? Because, you, in other words, if you're in this church, you're going to have to serve in this church. If you're at whatever church you go to, if you want to get baptized with the Holy Ghost, you still got to serve. The key is not what church you go to, the key is are you serving? Now, the, every church has their own anointing, their own calling. Their own purpose. Now, if you go to a church that has no purpose, get out of there. Find one with a church. But you have to have a purpose and a calling and a vision. Once you find it, then if you want the anointing, does anybody want the anointing? Yeah. <laughs> Once you find a church, then you have to serve. Once you're serving, now you're in a position to receive. Without service, there's no reception of the Holy Spirit. In fact, you could have once been serving, but it's very dangerous. The Bible says, quench not the Holy Spirit. See, some people have been baptized with the Holy Ghost and have lost it. They didn't lose the baptism of repentance because they repented. But they've lost their anointing. And if you're here, you know who you are. Things are just not moving like they used to. Your words are just not impacting people like they had been. You're there, you've repented, but you're not under service. That's what we always talk about. When we tell people get involved, we're not telling you to get involved for the benefit of the church. We're telling you to get involved for the, your benefit because without service, there is no anointing. None. You're just under the baptism of repentance. Well, And really, the pastor, I'd rather have you in the baptism of repentance than in the bar, so if I have, you know, 500 in repentance, cool. But I need some people. Let me say it again. I need some people yeah. that want the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Now, if you don't want it, it's too heavy for you. It's okay. Just stick around them. Be a nice guy, nice woman. Pay your taxes. Treat your husband and your wife right. Grow your kids. Get a career. That's cool. You'll be under the, under the baptism of repentance. I'm good with that. But we can't take a world with people like that. Why? Because it's going to take an anointing on you or somebody. Because when I send you out to foreign fields or to different cities, if you don't have an anointing, the devil will slap you like a rented mule. And you'll come crawling back. You need an anointing. That's what I'm talking about. An anointing. The baptism of the Holy Ghost. Verse 19. And I will cause wonders in heavens and above, signs on on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon will be turned blood red before the great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. And anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We are in the last days. The fire of the Holy Spirit readily available to all people. Young men will see visions. Old men will dream dreams. And the endorsement of God is miracles, signs, and wonders. And what am I saying? When you begin to move on anointing in your life individually, miracles, signs, and wonders will follow you. What does that mean? It just happens. It happens. And and again, I I can't speak for your life because it happens differently, but let me speak for my life. When I realized something, as I look back, here's a guy who knew nothing about God, but I knew I, w- I was touched and I was delivered. The anointing of God came upon me. Thank God for my pastor, Pastor Steve. He brought an anointing into my life. And he would, he would say things, and I said, I'll do it. And I don't, know why I, was, I don't know why I responded. I don't. I'm just glad I did. And as I responded to what he said, I opened up my house, and when I, be, and I open up my house and men just begin to come and get delivered, I'm like, "Wow, what's happening here? I didn't, ha- I didn't have a strategy or a plan. All I had was an anointing. And it wasn't something I even understand or deserved. I, I didn't get, do nothing for it. It was his anointing. And somehow, well, my mind can't understand it. It went from him to Pastor Steve. And then through his words and him believing me, believing in me, he gave it to me. And I was just kind of naive enough, and my wife was kind of naive enough because she let me do it. I just began to move men in. Next thing I know, I have 30 men. No, what was the most we had? 28 men? About 28, 30 men in my house. I'm like, what is going on in here? I thought I'd open up for men. I'd have like three or four. I got twenty-eight. Turned my garage into a dorm, and all these things been have happy, people getting delivered, getting slain, getting healed. And all of a sudden, this one went out to pastor, and this one became a pastor, and that one became a pastor, and.